Hey, Internet, it's Chase. Due to circumstances outside of our control, namely a snowstorm that was affecting the Internet for our Skype call, this podcast isn't quite going to be the audio quality that you guys are used to. We had basically a choice of releasing the episode in the best state that we could get it or not releasing an episode at all, and we have chosen to give the people what they want and release this episode. Uh, we believe the content in here is great and that you guys will be able to enjoy the podcast regardless, but those of you who are very sensitive to poor mic quality, uh, I'm letting you know ahead of time we did the best we could. Uh, it will not be a problem going forward. The weather was just something that was outside of our control, unfortunately. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. It is week five of the European LCS. We are at the halfway point, and we have so many games to talk about, so many gambling lines to look at from our fine friends at Unicorn, and three teams to talk about, including one that I have been trying to avoid talking about for a long time now. But... I have to first introduce my co-host on the other line. As always, it's my good friend and writer for Slingshot Esports, Walter Ciades Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? Oh, come on. Rocket isn't that bad. If games were only 20 minutes, they'd be the best team in the entire world. Come on. Uh, in the entire world might be questionable <laughs> at this point. Uh, I, I ref- one in seven feels pretty bad to me. I got to be honest with you. It's, uh, it's one of those things where... By the way, if you can't tell who we're talking about, we're talking about Rocket. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you are aware that Rocket is my favorite team in the European LCS. They're probably my favorite team playing today, just because CJ Antis, you know, has been my longest running team that's still around, but they've lost so many of their original members, it's kind of hard to feel the same love for them that I did back in the day. Uh, North America, I went with Renegades this split. Don't make my choices, people at home. I, if you haven't learned by now... <laughs> You really just be smarter than me when it comes to picking teams to be a fan of. But this Rocket team is near and dear to my heart, and watching this team go 1-7 and seven has been heartbreaking. So let's start by balancing out all of the negativity that people are about to realize I have. And, and let's start with you saying some positive things about Rocket Because despite them being 1-7, and seven, you've already hinted at one thing, but there are a couple things that are going well for this team. So, Walter, what are you noticing that is a positive when it comes to Rocket? Uh, Betsy. Betsy has been slowly turning himself this year into one of the better mid laners in, uh, in Europe. In fact, in terms of laning statistics, he's actually one of the best uh, laning mid laners in Europe, which is kind of interesting. Uh, he's been roaming a lot. They've been putting him on pretty much heavy scaling champions and rise. Um, literally only rise. And while the the number of games has started to pull some of his statistics back down towards the middle of the pack, for a, a good portion of the year, he's been the top at the damage per minute statistics, uh, sort of until perks really emerged in, in week late week three and week four. Uh, that on top of the, the synergy that he sort of built with Airwalks, they created this one-two punch in the early game where Betsy 
completely controls mid lane. Doesn't let his doesn't let his opponent really roam. Keeps them in the lane. He's he's you know solo killing them. He's putting a lot of pressure onto them. He's forcing them when they have TP to back and TP into the lane. And then Airwalks is able to play into the enemy jungle. He's able to go and, and invade and and take camps here and there. He's really built up this sort of second sense uh, about where the enemy jungler is. And when he can invade, when he should be inv- when he should be ganking, when he should be counter ganking, and it's been really interesting to watch them for the first twenty twenty five minutes, and then the wheels just completely fall apart for some reason. Which I take your pick. It's bad shot calling. It's bad macro strategy. Other teams just are better in the late game. I I don't know, but there's nothing in my view that's really like sticks out and is like, yep, this is the problem that they need to fix. Well. I'm going to argue that the problem is all of the problems that you just listed. But let's start with the positives first because I promised that we would have some. Otherwise, this whole 15 minutes would be a very hard thing for people to listen to. And I think you're perfectly right to notice that Betsy has been playing very well. I think his champion pool is still limited. It's something that we've noted before on this show, and I'm going to continue noting until I see much more from him other than Rise and Lulu. It feels like those are the two he's really locked onto and everything else is almost window dressing in that regard. But when he plays these champions with which he's very comfortable, he does quite well on them. And I do believe that Airwalks for everything that he is, and he is a lot of things that I don't care for once the 15 minute mark rolls around. But during that time, he has shown a great propensity towards making plays. You know, this is something that another team we're going to talk about later in this podcast, the unicorns of love have really benefited from is having a jungler that goes out and is very proactive in his playmaking. And that's something you can say about Airwalks. And it's led to a team that does really well in the EGR. You mentioned last week in your power rankings article for Slingshot Esports that they were the best early game team in Europe at that time, even at one and five. And even after getting destroyed by the Unicorns of Love, they're still in the top three in that regard. And I think a lot of that can be something you point to when it comes to what Airwalks and Betsy have been able to do with that mid lane jungle synergy. But as you've noted, and as anyone who has watched these games can see, it hasn't translated well. And I want to start with the Unicorns of Love game that was a 26-minute, just really depressing game, honestly. It took forever for things to happen. Then as soon as they did, it was just all bad all the time. If you're a Rocket fan... And the Unicorns of Love game is a perfect example of what happens when they don't have the early game go their way, and it goes really ugly really quickly. Now, Walter, I have to ask you, do you think that this is as simple as looking at the way the pick and ban phase went down uh, and seeing Rocket make some pretty crucial mistakes there? Or do you think there were some things we saw in-game that also helped dictate how this game ended up at the end of the day? I think the big majority of the problems did come in this very weird pick and ban phase from Rocket. They were really, really going all in on, on the, the tabs Callista train uh, with the with Maokai peel, with Lee Sin peel, with the Lulu buffing him up. 
and they really sort of underestimated the slightly nerfed version on 6.2 of Gangplank. But oh, across the board, across North America and Europe, a lot of teams really overrated what those nerfs would mean for, for Gangplank. And his wave clear and his poking with his, uh, with his barrels is it's still extremely, extremely strong once you hit his like one and two item power spikes. Uh, but another cause for concern is, is the sort of disregard of a similar jungle style that Rocket has found success with. And it brings me to something that I've noticed across North American Europe. And even if you want to go into the LCK, when you look at Tina uh, on, on Rock's Tigers, is that junglers in this meta, and particularly the younger, less experienced ones, are, and I'm going to quote an old Bill Simmons statement from Grantland, they're over-rational confidence guys. Mm. And basically the summary of this is these overrational confidence guys are, if you follow the NBA, they're guys like Jason Terry, they're guys like Jamal Crawford, where they think they can hit any shot from any point in the car at any point in time, and they're gonna and they're gonna do that. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes you get games where, you know, Jamal Crawford goes off and he hits like five threes in a row and he scores 15 points in three minutes. And that's all of a sudden, okay, it's a Jamal Crawford night. You have moments where Dardock does this, has done the same thing in North America. And now Rudy just did it to Team Rocket in this game where Kindred had been gone for a couple of weeks due to bugs. She also got partially nerfed. Again, people weren't considering that she was going to be this amazing champion when you had Graves, when you had Rek'Sai, when you had Elise. And you kind of pick into this very awkward matchup of, of Kindred into Lee Sin, where sure, Lee Sin can deal a lot of damage early on if he hits his Q, but Kindred deals a heck of a lot more damage when you actually have to come in and fight her in close quarters. And they really got caught off guard by the amount of vision that Rudy was able to establish. He was constantly in the bot side jungle of, of Rawcat establishing vision, placing wards here and there, making sure that every way, you know, every way into the lane was covered, and then capitalizing on when he saw Airwalks, you know, at his Krug camp, at his Gromps, at, you know, whatever, and he would be doing something else. He'd instantly invade the other side of the jungle. He'd go for a gank. He'd go for a counter gank. He'd go clear vision. He'd go get more vision. He'd go for a dragon. Like, he constantly was out playing Airwalks, and it was just sort of a disregard of what Rocket has been able to do with, with this sort of over- rational confidence guy in airwalks yeah no the irrational confidence guy is always a scary thing and when you have rudy out irrational confidencing airwalks you're going to have a problem but i have bigger problems and i think you said it earlier when you said that the biggest problem that rocket had was this pick and ban phase i really want to go in depth on this pick and ban because it is in my opinion the worst that we have seen in the lcs so far and to really understand that you need to be able to break it down bit by bit. So it starts with the Corky and Lucian bands from Rocket. Really weird to see two AD carries banned here. I know that Lucian is powerful. I know the Corky is powerful. But there are so many other things that are going to get through here. And Steelback, you, you have to be thinking to yourself, if Steelback's the guy that you're worried about beating you, you have so many other problems with your team. There are so many other things I would have rather seen them attack than trying to bring out Steelback's champion pool when we know for a fact that his Ezreal is great and is one of his signature champions and he was always going to be able to fall back to it. So he basically spent two bands on nothing. Uh, then they first pick the Callista, fine. Callista's fine. But then you give away the Kindred and the Alistar, and what do they do? They fall directly into the Lulu trap 
that they themselves keep trying to catch other teams in because they have proven time and again that you just pick Rise and none of the rest of it matters. And Rise was available. It's not like Rise was banned out. So they had the natural counter if Unicorns of Love wanted to lock it in, and they just went for the Lulu anyway, which made absolutely no sense. This allows Unicorns of Love to get their mid lane pick, the Victor, which of course was the highest, uh, the best champion in the game in terms of just pure KDA. Fox went crazy on it. And then you've realized that somehow this gangplank has leaked its way through, and we know it's good. We know that it has all of this versatility and has been a power pick for forever in competitive play. And it somehow is the last-picked champion, because Rocket really needed that Maokai for a composition that just based on the scaling that Unicorns of Love had available to them, had to win early. Because when I think early game, I think Maokai. It's genuinely inexplicable to a certain extent. I don't understand what I'm So Fresh was trying to do with any of this. And it led to exactly what we thought. Rocket couldn't win the early game. And turns out building a protect the tabs composition is a terrible idea. Who would have thought? Uh, let's also give Visit Sachi Gangplank on the final rotation. Another terrible idea. Who would have thought? Putting Betsy's Lulu with Ignite, of all things, as a champion spell. Because Lulu is the kind of champion you need an Ignite on. It, it, it was just such a mess. And, and then we get to day two. And things look all right for a while. All these positives that you brought up about Rockat, they're all starting to come together. And then the end of the game happens. And I want to talk to you about where you came down on it first, because mine is much more emotionally charged versus uh, what I'm sure is a more analytical approach from you, because I love, because I love this Rockat team, and I can't, I can't approach it 100% logically. So let's start with you. What did you see in this game? What stood out to you most as what's going to help define Rocket as we head into the second half of the split? Uh, Freddy really can't play split-pushing style champions. I know against uh, against H2K Gaming in week three, he played the Quinn, and he had a, a moderate amount of success. It wasn't amazing, but it wasn't awful. But his fear was just atrocious. <laughs> awful. Absolutely awful. I get Malphite kind of has a decent time in, against her early because he's specking into he's specking into armor and he has the attack speed debuff, and you know he just has some things that makes it it hard. But geez, like he got crushed so bad early on in the game, and I get Crapple made this joke about yeah you know level sixteen even with no items if Fiora is going to beat a Malphite. That's that's wonderful if he can ever parry the ultimate, which I don't think he ever parried the Malphite ultimate. And granted, it's almost an instant, like an instant animation. You have very little time to react, but I've been playing this game for six years. Freddy's probably been playing it for six plus years. You kind of get this point where if a Malphite starts walking towards you, he's probably going to get ready to alt. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of wait, you wait. And, you know, sometimes you just have to take a stab in the dark. You just have to throw it out there and hope, you know, it hits flash you know instant flash whatever but man he just he looked horrendous and for as terrible as he looked airwalks and betsy were doing their damnedest to carry this team to a victory and it's just become sort of the 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 soup du jour of of the lcs mm. that once you get to about 40 
five minutes. If one team aces the other, the game ends no matter which direction the gold lead was at. <laughs> and Rocket had a gold lead at five minutes of like 4K gold. They get aced, or, or four, I think it was four, four people die, and Fnatic just bowls through like two towers and an inhibitor and ends the game. Like, okay, I, that that was like such an anticlimactic finish that I I I just went, oh my god, not again. I thought I was I was so excited. I had to watch the end of it twice to actually come to terms with Rockout losing that game. Not as a fan, just as an analyst, going, they how 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 do you lose again? Well, I'm gonna put it like this: as a fan, I'm still not fully accepting that we lost that game. It was the only game in the entire season. You know, I always say this. After a certain point, I always say, like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not getting drawn in anymore. I know this team is bad. I know not to get my hopes up. But this game, man, at, at the 38-minute mark, let me just read off a couple things that were true at the 38-minute mark. Uh, at the 38th minute, Rocket had four dragons. They had taken down at least two inhibitors and had taken the bot inhibitor tower already to at least half health. So that was pretty much on its way down. They had gotten both barons up until that point, and they had about a five thousand gold lead. And within a minute and a half, they lose that four to one fight against Fnatic. And yet, at the same time, they still had multiple chances to win. After that, they could have just closed the game on several occasions, but they kept, you know, backing off. They didn't feel comfortable. They didn't want to go for it. And they just kept letting Fnatic in. And they grab five dragons and do nothing with it. And I just, I, I just, I don't know what to say anymore. How do you, as an 80 carry, go, you know, get such a lead over your lane opponent that he's 0, 1, and 6, and yet you're the one on the wrong side of the flame horizon? And that's the guy who's doing 60,000 damage to your to, to enemy champions. I don't, I don't know how you screw up that bad. How do you kill this guy six times and let him devastate you over and over again and never take advantage of it? it the whole thing was mind-boggling. I felt like Tabs proved everything I, I worried about last week right in that he's not enough of an upgrade for it to matter for Rocket. I think Freddy122 is the second worst top laner in Europe. I, I would take literally anyone other than Adam over him at this point. I mean, Extinct is never supposed to be a support in the LCS. It's not their fault that Edward's gone, but it, it, this team just isn't good. They, they have one thing going for them, which is this mid-lane jungle synergy. But the problem with that is that since basically Season 4, that hasn't mattered so much. It, you have to get your top lane going. You have to have that carry threat. One of your side lanes needs to be able to help out or your team will eventually just get phased out here. And there was a window. They knew once Caitlyn got to six items, this game was going to be done. And they let her scale, they let her scale, and they just couldn't pull the trigger no matter how many barons they got, no matter how many dragons they got. And at this point, it's like, I don't even care that they're a good objective control team. I don't care that they have good laning stats across the board and that Betsy and Kindred, uh, and I almost said Kindred just because Airwalks has been so good on that champion, but Air, I don't care how good they are as a, as a unit. I know that when they need to make a call to win the game, 
they're going to make the wrong one somehow. And it makes them infuriating to watch, knowing that they're somehow going to blow it, but also infuriating to watch because they're always going to do good enough to convince me that they won't. And I hate it because it's happened seven times now. And with the exceptions of the Unicorns of Love game, I genuinely believed every single one of those was winnable. And that's... It, it's, yeah, but... but it's here's purgatory, the plus man. Side. Here's the plus side. You hadn't played Giants yet. It's true. You're almost guaranteed a second win this weekend. And, and I'm going to be so bold to say you guys are probably going to go too low this weekend. Wow. Not trying to jinx. I'm knocking on so much wood right now. Literally, my desk. You, there you go. You can hear it. Well, <laughs> you, you brought up the Pythagorean uh, expectations that uh, is used in the NFL, essentially. To basically, and they use it mostly when teams have you know absolutely ridiculous things, like they win. You know, they won seven out of eight games where the the final score is within three points, or games where you know the score is with where they're le- you know they won three out of four games where they're losing at five minutes, or you know they. 80% of all fumble recoveries, at some point there is a, an average that exists in the universe that everybody is getting pulled towards, and the extremes at which Rockhead is living on the edge of having these amazing early games and losing every single one of those leads are eventually going to get pulled back to the middle. Maybe it's not this split. Maybe they literally keep doing this where they're winning games, all the, you know, winning games until the 25 minute mark and then losing every single one of them in spectacular fashion. And it doesn't happen until the next split. But this week is a great week for them to start kind of trotting back towards that, that sort of median average against two pretty mediocre teams. And I use teams lightly. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is what it comes down to, right? If you can't, take out at least one win here and likely two, then you just call the season over and done with. Because these are the two weakest opponents you're going to play at this point. And either you have enough in it uh, in you to win it or you don't. And for me, what I want to see, cause, because you can bring up the Pythagorean theorem, and, and it, you know, that that score is indicative of a lot of things. But one of the things that always has to be kept into account is why are those bounces going the other way? Like you look at someone like Tom Brady. Tom Brady wins more of those close games than he loses. And there is something about Tom Brady as a quarterback that makes that the case. In the same way that I bet Brian Hoyer, if you were to do the maths out, loses more of those than he wins. And there are things you can point to in that regard. And with this Rocket team, I think the problem is going to continue to be they do not have the shot calling once you get past the airwalk skanks for Betsy or the two of them roam together to get a kill in this laning phase, they just don't seem to know what to do. And even in that game against Fnatic where they at least knew, okay, get objectives. Objectives are good. Objectives let us push, whatever. They gave up way too many towers because their rotations were slow and they didn't show an understanding of what those windows were to succeed. And to me, that's a bigger problem than just bounces not going their way. This, this was a, a fundamental lack of understanding as to their opponent's win condition, because at some point, Reckless was going to get to six items. He was going to put down the massive wall of Yordle traps that made it nearly impossible to siege the base, and he was going to do tons and tons of damage because that's what Caitlyn does. And they didn't understand it then. They have to learn these things, or smarter teams are just going to keep doing what they've been doing so far. 
And that's that's the world we live in with Rocket. But let's move on to a much happier topic. The Unicorns of Love. That we already mentioned briefly how their game against Rocket went. I don't feel like we need to go into too much detail on that particular game. Uh, just because oh. it was just so simple and beautiful and just how perfectly Unicorns of Love executed there, right? I mean, is there anything that stood out to you specifically in terms of how they were able to dismantle Rocket from the beginning of that game? I feel so dirty feeling happy for this team when Diamond Prox is toiling away in the CIS and is unable to acquire his visa to finish out his career in a respectable manner. Hey, hey, but- hey, CIS challenger, not even CIS. Let's be clear here. <laughs> I, where's my vodka I, yeah uh but in all honesty uh joko was phenomenal and fit right into the team and now hi i'm rudy rudy came in coming out of nowhere literally coming out of european solo queue which i'm i'm at a loss for words i didn't expect them to be this good with diamond prox and somehow and and these four players around whatever jungler they pick these one-dimensional players in the, in the preview that we were so worried about when they were going to be able to come together and, and perform and make up for all the, the flaws that they have are four of the top options when you're talking about a most improved player of the split so far. Visit Chachi, the synergy that he has been able to create with not one, not two, but three, count it, three different junglers is, is insanity when he couldn't create any synergy with with Kikis last split or with Horo or or I don't know if Unicorns of Love even trotted out anyone else but those two uh Fox and Steelback were pretty much left for dead in my opinion they were going to go off into the challenge they were going to just play in the challenger scene and be you know those guys who had one good split in the LCS but beyond that did nothing and they're playing out of their minds and granted there hasn't been one game where both of them have gone absolutely crazy and carried like the two of them have been super hard carries, but it's been this trade-off between them. Like Steelback will have one really good game where he's just he's styling on people. He's you know ten plus kills. He's not dying. He's dealing all this damage. And Fox is just kind of you know supporting him, playing more of a utility role. You know gets caught out a couple times. There was like the Zed game he played early in the year where he kept trying to split push and and kept getting caught in awkward rotations. And then there'll be games where Fox is just putting out all this damage like the game against Rockat were on Victor. And Steelbeck is playing more of this utility. Let's let's support Fox. Let's support Rudy. Let's make sure everyone else is getting there, you know, is able to perform and do what they're supposed to do. And I don't know who the shot caller is, but I'm gonna I, I it's probably like Hillison and Chachi, I think. But uh, Hillison has been phenomenal as well, and he's <laughs> sort of broken free of his mold as a, a thresh only player and is really just been phenomenal and playing with Steelback extremely well. I'm I'm over the moon with how well this team has been playing, and it makes me really, really happy. Well, first of all, I want to point out that Gilius is very upset that you forgot he had a several week stint on Unicorns of Love while they were waiting for Horo to figure himself out so they could uh to replace Kickus when he left mid season. So Gilius, all right, Gilius yeah. feeling well. I mean, to be fair, it, it was it was quite forgettable. Um, so I, I think I think we'll let it slide. But your point about Hillisang is really interesting, and I think it comes to something that we did not properly evaluate when we were doing our preseason predictions, which is that you know maybe Hillisang just didn't look that great because he played with the worst AD carry in Europe last split. 
Like, Far Dogs is terrible. Like, Far Dogs was really across the board, widely recognized as being a terrible player with poor positioning that didn't seem to really add much to his team. So Hillisang had to spend all this time babysitting him and trying to make him, at the very least, palatable. And now we look at Steelback, who has proven that he has, at the very least, a champion pool that goes you know, several heroes deep and allows them to you know, consistently match up in a, in a positive way. I mean, Steelback was the MVP this week. He had a 26.0 KDA on Ezreal and Lucian, which is not something I ever thought I'd be saying about Steelback. But it just goes to show, much like, you know, Causing didn't necessarily look like anything special until he and Hyarnan finally figured things out together. I think that this is what we see when Hillisang's paired with someone that he can believe in. And at the same time, like, you know, look at what Freddy122 has been with Rocket. Maybe Fox just needed a team with guys that he could actually trust. You know, he's not locked in on a team with Candy Panda, Freddy122, and N-Rated's corpse anymore. This is an actual legitimate team, and he's looking like a legitimate player. His victor in this game against Rocket was, in my opinion, the most impressive individual performance we saw. And all of this is combining into guys who, you know, we questioned because we didn't see what they did last year, but, you know, they were on teams where they didn't have much opportunity to succeed. And now all of them have kind of come together and are showing a lot more than we ever could have expected. And, and never was this more true than when we saw this game against Vitality, which was, in my opinion, the best game of the week. I thought it was an incredibly interesting game. Walter, when you look at the whole of this game, because there were some bright spots for Unicorns of Love, there were some you know, obvious weaknesses with Unicorns of Love, how do you come away feeling about this team going forward? Was this, was this the game this, that puts them as a power for you, or do you still have some question marks? This, this is definitely the game that said, okay, I, all the questions I have about Fox, all the questions I have about Steelback and Chachi and Hillisad and whether Rudy was going to succeed, any question that I had has now been silenced in my head. Hmm. Do I still think there's a chance that at some point Fox and Steelback regress? Absolutely. But until that happens, this was the moment that I'm like, I have to give Unicorns the benefit of the doubt. And when there are other teams that are, have questions around them, like Fnatic and Orion and, and even Vitality, that, that are still left unanswered, Unicorns, I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, you've earned my trust go forth my children, stomp out these mid, you know, upper mid-tier teams, and you've re-embraced the magic of the, the 2015 spring split, where they had the weird champion picks at IEM San Jose that sort of built into this run that came into a finals loss to Fnatic uh, in the spring championship. This wasn't necessarily... I, I didn't see a ton of weaknesses outside of some, some positioning and roaming mistakes from Hillisan. He still has these moments where he tries, he's trying to establish word control and doesn't have someone back him up. And part of that is just that him and Rudy haven't established that buddy-buddy that kind of connection. But they played, they played extremely well around Cabo Shard. And even though he's on Fiora and can pretty much at any point still impact the game trying to keep him down as much as they can, trying to make sure that they had a very strong uh, a strong plan to counteract what he was able to do because Vitality has essentially been 
let Cabochard split push and we'll make this four man or, or, you know, we'll either do the one four death ball kind of thing or we'll do the one three one where Noop Duck and Cabochard are out and we'll sort of play around Shook and Kasing disengaging anytime someone runs into us. And Unicorns of Love in this game said, that's fine. Um, you know, we can still engage into you because we have, you know, we, we can come up with some interesting ways to do it. Uh, I think it was Hillisan tried to alt over a wall over the raptor pit to try and get an engage mm-hmm. uh, obviously there's the flash poppy ultimates there's different ways to do it but they also said or you know we can also just have poppy go and deal with the fiora and we have way more wave clear than you with lucian and corky and we're just going to start pushing towers and we're going to get the siege and they they were able to do it and this was the first game where every single player on their team played their best and it wasn't just about, okay, well, Fox is doing really well, so we're going to support him. It was Fox and Steelback are both carrying this game. Let's make sure that they don't die in team fights. Vitality could not get to either of them in team fights. Yeah, no, that's very fair. I think it's kind of interesting to contrast this game with the game that inspired us to talk about Unicorns of Love the first time around, which was their game against Fnatic. You know, those are the two upper echelon teams that they've been able to take victories on so far. And when you look at how those games play, they're almost opposites of each other. You know, when they played Fnatic, they were able to to get these leads and they just really struggled to... They they weren't getting the fights that they wanted. It was a little bit more passive, especially once it got to the late game. And they'd grab these objectives and they weren't able to make the most out of it. Whereas in this game... It really felt like Vitality had control of the objectives. Vitality had the vision around Dragon. Vitality was the one that were stealing these barons. But it didn't matter because by this point, Unicorns of Love are so much more cohesive as a unit and so more, much more defined in their shot calling that it almost feels like, you know, we made that reference to the, the high mic check where he just says, you know, does Gangplank have teleport? No. Go. You know, whatever that is. I feel like that's how Unicorns of Love play all the time. Like, whether it's Rudy or whoever the shot caller is, it's like, can we win this fight? Yes, go, go, go. And they just go all in and engage as a group. And they couldn't lose a skirmish. They could lose towers because their split-pushing rotations to defend were weak. And I think that's something that, if you look at it for what they can improve upon, Cabochard, despite getting killed several times early, got way too much done on that split push. Yeah. Uh, Nuke Duck got way too much done on his own split push. They really needed to react more quickly to that. Uh, the Baron steal, uh, there was no reason to go for that Baron in the first place, let alone make it a 50-50 by the way they attempted it. These are concerns to me. But honestly, if they keep playing these fights the way that they did, when they keep you know, proving that as a unit... They are going to win whatever comes their way. I almost don't care. It just is a team that if I'm in a best of five situation, I'm terrified to play against them because they could bring out a lot of different compositions. And I know that if I ever have to fight them, whether it be around an objective, under my own towers and a base defense, whatever it is, those skirmishes are what Unicorns of Love do best. And maybe better than anyone other than G2 Esports right now in League of Legends, in the European League of Legends, I should say. And that, to me, makes them a just fascinating team to watch. 
I, I do have to ask you, Walter, before we wrap up on them. I mentioned my concerns about them reacting to split pushes. Is there anything that stands out to you as something that you want to see Unicorns of Love pull, especially as they look towards a very tough game against H2K and the rematch against Fnatic in what is unexplicably a terribly difficult Week 5 slate for them? But the biggest thing for me is that they need to keep Rudy feeling comfortable they need to not put a leash on him. They need to not say, oh, you know, you're, you're overextending too much. You're being a little too aggressive. Tone it down. Let him play his style. When you let your players play what they are comfortable with, we've seen it across the board, and especially in Immortals over in North America, when you play to a player's strengths, you get the best out of them. And sure, is he young and is he going to make some mistakes because he's never played in a competitive setting? Of course. I guarantee this week he is going to have a bunch of sort of positioning mistakes. He's not going to be with Hillasan to get vision control, but he's shown a lot of really good, strong points that they can build upon. And they just need to keep building on it. They need to realize that they are now one of the top six teams in the LCS and that there really isn't any other team that's going to challenge them and try and knock them out of it. So now they have to look towards, okay, we're probably safe getting into the playoffs. Let's get everyone comfortable. Let's get everyone to the point that we can compete in the playoffs, that we aren't just going to get, you know, 0-3'd by Fnatic or H2K or G2 or whoever. Let's get to the point where we're really trusting each other. We're really coming in with solid game plans and continue building on our strengths rather than pointing out, you know, minor weaknesses here and minor things there and focusing on those. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. You need to play towards... What you guys have, and what they have now is something that resembles the aggression that you know we used to dub chaos style, but is far from chaotic. It's much more controlled, it's much more focused, and that team fight focus, I think, is really what carried the day against Vitality. And let's move on to our final team of the day, which is Vitality. Yes, we do try to segue these things naturally into each other. Thank you for noticing. Uh, Vitality had a really interesting game against the Unicorns of Love, and as much as I love the way that Unicorns of Love played around these kind of skirmishes and, and took control here. I actually thought that there were a lot of positives to say about Vitality after this game as well. People always say, like, there's no such thing as a good loss because you still lost. But if you were going to try to come up with reasons for this team to be optimistic, what would you point to in this game and what do they have to learn from going forward? I would say that their their individual play style that they've created is very interesting. It's sort of like CLGs in North America, mm-hmm. where it's very dependent on their top laner drawing a ton of pressure to his wherever he is on the map, whatever lane he is. They're always pulling one or two people. And Vitality has succeeded in a way CLG has it by creating these massive farm and experience leads on Cabo Shard. He is leading either, either or uh, LCS with a 21 cs differential at 10 minutes the highest highest in 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 the west and it it's kind of ridiculous how efficient he is and it's come not only from kabushar just being a tremendous laner in his own right but shook constantly ganking for his lane constantly trying to find moments that he can get into those side bushes uh especially on champions like elise where he's able to get the cocoons off and 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 create these moments where kabushar gets a kill, and is able to snowball it from there and, and get you know two or three more kills. Vitality has been the least successful when they've gone on to this very sort of weird Kevin pick, which Kabashard is very good at and sort of fits into his play style in terms of his laning bowl, uh, being a lane bully. But 
really pulls away from his strength of being this very split-push-oriented presence. It's instead more reliant on him TPing and flanking in or him being grouped up with the team. And that's just not really Vitality's best look mm-hmm. uh, around the rest of the team. Like, like I said earlier, it's really largely based on Shook and Kossing disengaging team fights and allowing Nuke Duck and, and Charnin to sort of skirt around the edges of team fights, get their damage off. Charnin uh, as a player has always been in like a very weird spot for me where I don't regard him very highly. Uh, he, he's a good AD carry. Like statistically, he's you know above average LCS AD carry. He does a lot of damage. He's very smart. He doesn't get caught out a ton. He plays extremely well with Kossing. But I always feel like I'm surprised by his statistics. I'm always surprised when I look down at the board and all of a sudden Charnin has eight kills. And I'm like, when did that happen? I never really saw him. And you never really hear the casters you know, talk a lot about him. He's sort of the, the, the fly on the wall or he's in the background and he puts up all these stats and you're kind of wondering how it ever happened. Uh, and, and part of that's just due to the, the team it's in. That he's had around him, he obviously has Kabashard right now, he had Onawame in the past, and Ryu, it sort of fades into the background, but does his job as this very sort of clean-up, AoE-oriented AD carry, so when it comes down to it, Vitality is still in this position where they can play these these high split-pushing compositions and resort to the other four players taking advantage of the pressure that Kabashard is able to produce on the map, or if teams just want to go five men at them, like we saw in the Unicorns of Love game, Kabashard just says, okay, just play safe, I'm going to get a tower here, I'm going to push another wave, I'm going to get onto their inhibitor and force someone to go back, and force it to be a four-on-four. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting play style that when they stick to it, they're really good, and they just get caught off guard sometimes and have some weird weird picks that go away from it. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that's worth recognizing here, two things really. First, when it comes to Hyarnin, he's one of those guys. He is the cleanup AD carry, and that means two things. We mostly, to me, it means that he gets caught out at certain points in the game and can kind of stand back and and do what he needs to do in the others. And this game was a perfect example of that. He got caught out several times in the early game where he was just straight up out of position. Just wasn't with his support, was trying to get a ward they didn't need or, or didn't have vision and was pushing up a wave. And those are inexcusable deaths. And apparently if you're reckless playing Rocket, that doesn't matter. But for the rest of us and the rest of you know these kinds of teams, that's a problem. Especially on Jinx because there just aren't a lot of escapes built in. But then you get this AoE shred. You get this you know, stand back and cl- you know, clean up these team fights. And that's what he does well. But the reason he's able to be that guy is because, to me, it's, it's not just Cabochard's split push. It's Nuke Duck's split push, which is the evolution of this team when you compare it to last year's H2K, for instance, where you look at, you know, also had Hyarnin, also had Causing, the same kind of cleanup potential. Both teams had subpar junglers, I think it's safe to say. And both teams had very good carry top laners. But where Ryu was very happy kind of being in lane, focusing more on team fights, and letting that aspect of the game be what helped that team shine, right now Vitality seems to have developed this 1-3-1 split push where neither side lane is safe at any given time, and they use that side lane advantage to get the vision that they need to take objectives, to take dragons, to force barons to be these 50-50 shots 
And that is the only reason this game lasted as long as it did. Honestly, Unicorns of Love, by the time they grabbed the top inhibitor at the 34th minute, I felt pretty confidently that Unicorns of Love were going to win that game, but Vitality just kept splitting, you know, splitting around, kept making little play here, a little play there, and keeping themselves in it, which, you know, unfortunately they fell a little bit too far behind in this game. But it's certainly the kind of thing where in a game where they play the mid-game more effectively, where Hjarnan isn't getting caught out as often, where Shook is able to have more success on some of those mid-game ganks or mid-game teamfight initiations, this team could be quite scary. And at the very least, it's nice to see them kind of have a consistent style where a lot of teams don't. And when we talk about a consistent style, it's kind of weird to say that in a week in which they played Lucian top lane, which they totally did against Elements and ended up working out great. Walter, when you look at that game, was this an evolution on the kinds of compositions that Vitality can have just because they have such a great laning threat in Cabochard? Or do you think this is what happens when you have an opportunity to style on an opponent and uh, and Steve is just not the laner that you would want to go up against Cabochard in any capacity? So, so, so if you're asking me if he would play it against a better opponent like Odawamne, uh, the answer is probably no. But the pick in and of itself is very clever into Gangplank, seeming how outside of his flash... Gangplank really doesn't have any way to get away from Lucian. And even if he does alt or he does barrel and tries to slow him down, the, the, the calling has such a, an extremely long range that it, it'll, it, you know, he can still hit Gangplank. There's no way Gangplank can really run far enough away from, from Cabochard's Lucian to ever really not die. Uh, he's not a very naturally tanking champion, and 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 Lucian really scales extremely well with these sort of cheap longsword style items. He doesn't necessarily need an Essence Reaver or an Infinity Edge or a a Bloodthirster to be extremely effective and efficient. He can get a Yomo's Ghost Blade and and a Rapid Fire Cannon, and you're kind of, pardon my French, but you're kind of. Sh- of luck at that point. He has a speed up, he has the dash, he has his flash, he has the double proc. It was just a really, really well executed pick that I think he brought out against a weaker opponent to test and to put some sort of fear into opponent's eyes of, hey guys, uh, I play everything. And <laughs> he does literally play everything if you go check his solo queue accounts. I think I've seen a top lane solo before from him. So, do I think he would have pulled it out for the first time against, you know, HDK Gaming? Probably not. But yeah, Elements is a very weak team, and we've quickly seen that their early season success was unsustainable, which makes me super, super happy. But <laughs> uh, it, it was a clever pick, and again, it's just this high level of pressure of, okay, Cabochard, what, what's better? Like, they play, put him on melee carries like Fiora, just put him on an 80 carry, he does the same thing. I'm going to go split push towers, leave me alone. Yeah, and I think that says more about Cabochard than anything else, just his ability to constantly put that pressure on, constantly adjust to whatever the enemy team's going to do. He just doesn't care. He's like, oh, you're going to pick Gangplank, who's seen as one of the strongest champions in the game right now? Awesome. I'm going to do Lucian things to you, and you're going to have no answer, and it's just going to be this massive CS lead that I'm going to steamroll into a single-handed victory if I have to. And the fact that Nuke Duck in particular was able to do so much on his own split push uh, on that Ari that he continues to be given for reasons I will never understand. 
but he keeps getting you know this great mobility and he's able to gank at will and he has the spirit rushes to get out of it if he ever gets caught out and it works out what you're really gonna ban ari come on he he can play ari anytime he wants you're never gonna ban ari well at the very least someone should come up with a counter to the pick because right now that has been so key to how Vitality is played, because it just keeps it's this high mobility split push, and when you already have such a terrible split pushing threat in Cabochard, you basically know every game Vitality wants to do a one three one split push. That is how they want to play. It is how they're most effective. And if you're just gonna, you know, you accept that you can't stop Cabochard from having the great split pushing top laner. Well, then either find a way to you know, force Nuke Duck to stay in lane or take away the easiest split push threat that they, he has right now, which is the Ari, because it is by far the safest split pushing mid laner you could throw out there. And you can't just let Vitality grab the one three one uncontested unless you happen to have such a strong early in a mid game like what Unicorns of Love were able to do, and you just make it so that it doesn't matter, and even that came to a game that was all, you know, very close to a toss-up by the end of it. I mean, I'll, I'll put it like this. If, if, I'm, if I'm being silly with my nuke duck point or whatever, I want to hear from you, how do you attack this team? Because at this point, unlike, say, Unicorns of Love, which have had three junglers in four weeks, and I think we're still seeing them evolve as a playstyle, and Rocket, whose only playstyle is letting down their fans' hopes and dreams after the 15-minute mark. I feel like Vitality, we know exactly how they're going to play every game for the rest of the split. So if you're scouting them out as an LCS opponent, what's your plan? Essentially, it's, it's try and bait Cabochard into these really unique sort of picks and punish the hell out of him. Really aggressive junglers can take advantage of Shook. He is a very, very passive, non-farming jungler. He really doesn't like sitting in his own jungle. He likes getting to lanes, ganking, getting vision control. So, so there's two ways. So you either go after Cabochard and you try and pin him down to the point that he is so worthless in a split push that he might as well just team up because if he goes one-on-one against your top lane or whatever, you're, you know, maybe you have a mid lane Zed or something, he's just going to die. Or you try and punish the the sort of passive way that Shook plays the early game by getting into his face, keeping him down in levels, trying to prevent him from hitting uh, his jungle spikes. So when he's like playing Lee Sin, for example, trying to keep him away from level six as long as possible and making sure that you establish the vision control around you for when he tries to engage. Uh, you also want to play either very high, heavy engage compositions against them or poke and kite style compositions that have a lot of sustain behind them, where you're basically pulling the the front line of H2K away from their team. And they typically don't play with very many frontliners. They, it's really kind of come down to Kossing plays their only tank and what 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 Shook does. They play re, you know three or four squishy champions uh, between Kabashard and, and the two carries, and then you know sometimes it depends on what shook picks as you try and pull the the front line away focus them down and then Kjarn and a nuke duck are kind of left without any out any peel any tank frontliners to soak up cooldowns and you just sort of go from there so it, it's hard to play against them because cabochard is so good in lane and he's mm-hmm. able to build these these experience and gold leads just from farming he doesn't need to get kills early on but there are you know some pretty direct ways to beat them it's just you have to be better at your counter strategy than they are at their 
their flat strategy. If you come in at half-ass what your, your game plan is, they're going to beat you no matter how direct a counter it is. They're just that good at their play style. Right. And I, I think you hit it on the head when you said that Shook is the weak link that you need to be exploiting here. He is by far their weakest player right now. Whatever metric you want to use, it's been a problem for him. He has not evolved into a guy that does more than grab some assists sometimes uh, when getting the right plays. He's constantly behind in his farm. He's constantly behind in, in terms of what the, you know, the kind of pressure that the enemy jungler is putting out there. And we're only not noticing it because Kabashar is so good at taking whatever he is given and making Shook not matter because Kabashard and Nukeduck are such big threats on their own. And I feel like that's what you have to attack. That and Hjornan, who I think his positioning in the early to mid game is very suspect. I think if you can take away any advantage that he has is that bot lane carry. You basically force Vitality at that point to play a 2v5. And I don't think Vitality wins that game. I think even if Kabashard is able to get one split push down, they need to have the 1-3-1. All of their objective control falls on them having the 1-3-1 and being able to take some of these neutral objectives safely. And if you can put any of those side lanes in a position where they're not able to do so effectively, where they have to try to force plays to get to that point, that's when Vitality suffers. And it's going to be very interesting, uh, especially given their opponent on day one, to see if Vitality can be found out in this way. But Walter, it is time to go to those gambling lines. It has been, uh, it has been a rough season for you so far. It is to 7-2 in my favor in the Guest of the Lines Challenge. <laughs> Zero zero may not be on my Twitter profile much longer. Knock on wood. You can hear me knocking on wood, hopefully. It's not as loud as when Walter <laughs> did it, but hopefully it's there. Things that also aren't going very well, smart money bets last week. We went one and two. Uh, we had G2 over Origin, plus 125. That was great. Uh, we had Rocket over Unicorns of Love. <laughs> and uh, Vitality minus 179 over Unicorns of Love. Because we didn't think that Rudy was going to be this good this quickly. You know, if, if that's how we lose, that's how we lose. Uh, we did a lot better in North America. But even so, if you bet $100 on every one of our smart money bets so far this season, you would have $167 more than you do today. So I'm considering us still in the black, still worth following along every week. We are still esports gambling experts because it says so on Twitter. It absolutely does. It says so on Unicorn too now, which is kind of great. I appreciate that. Uh, but we should now <laughs> we should now get into these games because I think there's there is value to be had, and I can't wait to talk about some of these lines with you. Uh, let's start with Unicorns of Love versus H2K. Obviously, we said a lot of nice things about Unicorns of Love today, but H2K is the top team in Europe right now. They've been the top of your power rankings for a while. Do you think that H2K is able to take this one out, or does Unicorns of Love have some feistiness here? I think Unicorns of Love have some feistiness, but uh, we saw last week Selfie is uh, Selfie is going to be playing again uh, for for H2K this week. Ryu is still uh, out in the wind of the v, the Visa Geddon, essentially. So hopefully he'll be back in time for playoffs. But Selfie is is gradually starting to sort of find his place inside the H2K lineup. Uh, Ryu's departure has caused Oduwamne to play a lot better and, and realize that he's the sort of the secondary carry on the team now uh, behind God Given, 
who at that time I'm going to refer to him from now on. He's mm-hmm. got given. That's fair. Uh, that being said, their play style has been very passive. And I think Unicorns of Love, if Rudy can continue the super early aggression that he established in, in his first two games and can get into the jungle and sort of neuter what Yankos has traditionally been able to do but isn't as proficient in this split, Unicorns of Love have a chance. That being said, I have H2K minus 225. Minus 225, you say. I get this one. Yes. I had more faith in Unicorns of Love than you did. I said H2K minus 170. It is H2K minus 192, which I'm almost mad about because it's astonishingly fair. Like, that's exactly where that line should be. And I don't see any value on either side. Because I really, I wanted to take Unicorns of Love on the upset here because it just seems like the kind of thing where either they will have this game wrapped up within the first 30 minutes because they will have skirmished like crazy and Forgiven just (laughs) never gets to where he needs to, or those skirmishes will fail, Forgiven will have hyperscaled, and this game will be over in 30 minutes because H2K will have gotten everything that they needed. There's no middle ground. I don't see this, I don't see this being one of those 40-minute plus drawn-out affairs. I feel like we'll know who wins this game pretty quickly, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's not even Fair our enough. game of the week, honestly, given how many good games there are. But we'll get to uh, the next one on our list, Fnatic versus Elements. We talked about Fnatic a little bit earlier. Not their best performance against Rocket, but they still managed to do enough uh, to get some victories last week. Elements, on the meanwhile, uh, don't seem to be doing anything close to resembling victories at this point. So where do you think the line is, Walter? Uh, I have Fnatic minus 300. Okay, Fnatic minus 300. Because I said minus 320, it is minus 345. Not quite high enough. And I don't think there's any value on elements at plus 240 there. So we're just going to nope. keep moving forward um, because that's <laughs> apparently what the universe wants us to do. Uh, Origin versus Splice. I, I really don't feel like there's a lot to say. Uh, one of these teams is pretty good and it's not Splice. Where do you think the line is here? Uh, <laughs> you you do that a lot. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> do you want to argue the point? Please, by all means, explain why. Splice no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I have, I have, I have no desire to argue the point. I have, I have origin at minus two seventy five. So I get this one. You went a little low. I said minus three twenty. It is minus three fifty seven. I I I think I, that's fair. I I will be honest. That's it's, fair. Is there any chance? Because Power Vivo hasn't really done a lot to blow me away yet. I, we're eight games in. They're only four and four as a team. They don't seem particularly well organized. It seems like the only way they really succeed is if they get Sven going. Could Senkux get the out duel here, allow Amazing to panic, and pull off the upset? Is that in play? Like at plus 255. I, I think he can outduel Power of Evil. I don't think that it matters. Sven, Sven has been arguably the most dominant player in Europe. Yeah. I, I would even say he's been more dominant than, than God given. Just the, 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 and I brought, it, I brought it up in my hypothetical Battle of the Atlantic, which you can now go read on slingshotesports.com. Go do it right now. Pause the, pause the podcast. Go read it. But. He has this very interesting statistic where he he leads Europe in both uh, gold share and damage share, 
And he's one of like the only players in the world outside of like CJ Entis's Kramer and Faker that have that large of a percentage of both their gold and damage share on their team, which I just gave me an excuse to put Sven in the same sentence as Faker to, to piss some people off. But I just thought it was really kind of, I, I saw, I saw the numbers and was like, huh, I wonder if anybody else is like nearly this high and averages those two are the closest, but I, it, it's kind of ridiculous how dependent on Sven or are. Well, to be honest, I think Faker's, uh, gold stats are actually one of the reasons why SK Telecom's had a little bit of some issues in Korea. Not major issues, but there's something about when your gold share gets to a certain extent, it's basically saying the entire team is built around one guy. And that's fine as long as that one guy continues to be absolutely perfect. And I'll agree with you. I don't think Splice is the team to exploit that. But I also think that when you have the gold share on Sven as high as it is, I'm not surprised they're only 4-4, four and four because then the entire game comes down to, can you find a way to counter Sven as a whole five-man unit? If yes, get win. If no, take loss. And that's kind of the dichotomy we're at with Origin right now. Uh, I don't think Kabi's going to be the guy to do it. G2 versus Vitality. This, to me, is my game of the week, because it feels like we have G2, who's been just such an aggressive team, a team that has so much energy behind them with their ganks and a lot like unicorns of love, just this very clean, you know, aggressive play from trick and perks. Who's just been, you know, masterful in the mid lane. And then you have vitality who, as we've discussed earlier, is this kind of almost, you know, the snake trying to choke their opponents out by getting these side waves and putting more and more pressure on the enemy team to make a play that they can then exploit. Walter, when these two, systems go head to head which one do you see kind of fighting its way through and why i think i think vitality has an advantage because cabochard is going to be able to take advantage of kickers who despite the fact that he's shown improvement in the top lane he is still not even close to a caliber of talent that cabochard is in that lane so it's really going to come down to i think if g2 can force vitality into like the weird cannon pick or if G2 are comfortable to the point of just saying, you know what, Kavishar, try and go take our entire base by yourself. We're just going to 5v4 every single time because that's what we're good at. And I think Trick is going to uh, get advantages for his AD carry and his mid laner. Perks has just been a god. He has been crazy the last couple of weeks, and especially on the Corky pick. So I think Corky is going to be a very, very important band for Vitality if if they want a hope of winning this game. Uh, but it's going to just come down to who blinks first, Cabo Shard or the entire G2 lineup. And I'm going to say Cabo Shard blinks first. G2 minus uh, 195. Yeah, I think all of that is fair. I think when you look at what Vitality has struggled with, it's when teams like Unicorns of Love really come at them and force the skirmishes and then, you know, try to make them counter-react and, and, and pray that they can come back. And at the very least, I think Unicorns of, of are more likely to make mistakes than G2 has proven themselves to be. So I think that's a very fair line. You're going to get this one because I said G2 minus 130. I was too low. It is uh, minus 167 for G2, which means we get okay. Vitality at plus 125, which isn't terrible. Mm. It just It seems so weird that this team that was... 
you know, thrown together with guys that we just had no faith in at the beginning. Like we're not going to have, you know, Emperor overextending and getting himself caught out to give, you know, Vitality some bonus kills at some point. Like, aren't we overdue for that kind of game? I mean, Hybrid's been playing out of his mind, so maybe we just, maybe it just doesn't matter anymore. It just feels the, the sentence G two at eight and one halfway through the season is just. So it still just doesn't feel quite natural to me, even after everything they've done so far. We're gonna, but we'll we'll find some. I think there's some better odds out there for us. Uh, Rock, here, here, here's here's a more here's a more natural sentence for you. Rock at favorite over Giants. <sighs> just <laughs> tell me what your line is, because I'm gonna. I, I don't want to talk about this. We're we are favored. You are correct. But where do you? How much? By how much do you think we're favored? Rock at minus 150. Okay, we're going to split this one. We both said Rock at minus 150. Uh, and it is Rock at minus 250. Which to me just tells me that the casinos have not been watching the games. Because Rock at should not be favored minus 250 against anybody. Uh, really? Really? Are you, are you positive to say that about Giants? That they deserve to be any closer? I think you're... I'll say this: the Giants should be anywhere close. I've seen the splice line. I don't think Rockhead is better than Splice. So, ergo, I think this line is too high. It's it's a spoiler alert, and and I apologize. But I mean, Giants plus two hundred. Like at some point, they win a game, right? This is not an zero and eighteen team. I I literally do not believe that X Pepe has gotten that bad that he can't get one win. When he finally just says, screw it, I'm done trying to play what everyone's telling me to play. I'm just going to play something I know I'm really good at. Like it, it just feels like at some point it has to happen. And plus 200 against a Rocket team that I think is incredibly fraudulent. I want to come back to it. Let's, let, I'm not going to say anything yet, but I, I want to come back to it. Uh, Origin. The, 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 sec- the, second, the second Pepe is able to do that, fine. But I'm, I'm off. I don't give a crap. That's, needs to prove something to me before I even consider them anywhere close to anyone. That's fair. Origin versus Vitality. Uh, another really interesting game. This is the Origin really needs to win if they want to be considered more than a six seed kind of game. Meanwhile, Vitality, a win here, would say so much. Just, you know, given that they will have had to play G2 the previous week, they really don't want to go 0-2 here. Because that puts them in danger of of being in the sixth seed themselves. Walter, where do you think the line is? I have the line at Vitality minus 175. (laughs) Okay. So are you ready for the line that blew my mind most this week? Because I said Vitality minus 170. It is actually Origin minus 137. Which... Uh, um... So can I put Vitality plus 105 in our smart money bets? Is that... Oh, you absolutely can. Okay, you good. You absolutely can. I... Uh... <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not saying that Origin can't win this game. I understand that Sven is very good. And with Hjarnan being out of position, it's in play. But Origin right now... They only have one threat, and you can't have Sven in both side lanes and the mid lane in a one-three-one split push. I don't, I don't know how Origin has an answer to that right now, unless one of these other guys steps up in a way they just haven't this season. 
I, I, I guess the only thing we could say is at some point, Bad Soaz has to like get over his hangover and have a good game. Maybe? Maybe? I, I mean, you I, say that. But on the other hand, we have four weeks of experience to say that maybe he doesn't. I, I, I just It does feel to me like until Amazing figures out what the heck he's doing, I don't feel confident taking Origin against any team above them in the standings right now. Like, Amazing is just Amazing is, so off. He's been one of the few junglers that literally has no confidence. You can just tell through his play, he has no confidence in what he is doing at all. Right. Like, come on, dude. You literally have high I'm Rudy step off of the solo queue ladder onto an LCS stage and not give a crap about what anyone else is going to do. He's invading people. He's getting vision. He's getting, you know, he's going balls to the wall. And your name is literally amazing. <laughs> you had the audacity to name yourself amazing. And you look like a kid who is lost at some county fair that doesn't know anyone and for doesn't even know their parents' first name. Yeah. So I don't know what's your problem, but Soaz needs to get over his hangover and you need to figure out what your parents' first name is so you can actually play <laughs> the game because you look terrible. You're awful this year. It's it's kinda sad. It's amazing. I, 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 it's literally amazing that he's dropped off as much as, as he has. But we're going to move on because we could talk about that line all day. And we need to talk about this line, Unicorns of Love versus Fnatic. Uh, obviously, I mentioned before when you're talking about Unicorns of Love that uh, they won that Week 2 matchup against Fnatic. It was a very close game. Uh, I think Fnatic obviously showed some weaknesses e- even in that victory over Rocket, but they also grabbed one over Giants, which is essentially meaningless. So we've got that going for them. Uh, on the other hand, all of the really nice things we talked about with Unicorns of Love. So where do you think the line is? Uh, I actually have Fnatic favored at minus 155. At minus 155, you say? Yes, sir. Oh, man, I win this one and you're going to hate me for it. Because actually, I think we've discussed this before. You can't win if you picked the wrong team to be favored, right? That's how yeah, this no. works. Okay, fine. Yeah, then, no. then I give it to you. I am technically closer to the pin. I just want to be on the record because I said unicorns. You picked of- the wrong favorite. Okay, but here's the thing: both teams are actually at minus odds. So I said unicorns of love minus one thirty. It is fanatic okay. minus one twenty five, but unicorns of love minus one oh five. So I'm actually 25 points off of my guess, whereas you're 30 points off of yours. But since Fnatic is technically the favorite, I will give you the point because that's that. It really would feel weird to to win any other way. But why why yeah. did you have Fnatic favored out of curiosity? Did you just expect the Fnatic bump as far as gambling goes? Or yeah, yeah, but, it, it, legacy name recognition. So and that's I, Fnatic still has Reckless and Fadivin and Spirit and all these names that like people that gamblers you know probably don't want to gamble against when their options are Steelback and High I'm Rudy. That's fair. <laughs> so 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 the Unicorn Love minus one hundred five is something we should remember when we're getting smart money bets. I just I I because I think Unicorn yes. Love are the better team. It's not great odds. So if we can find no, two better, not. we should uh. We should do that, but it's something to think about. Uh, H2K versus G2. This is what most people would call the game of the week. 
because it's this, got this the two teams. Game of the week. I guess that's fair. I think this is a way better game than Vitality. Sorry. No, that's it's just to me the thing about Vitality is it's such a difference of just play styles. I'm intrigued to see how they clash heads. But these are the two most well, talented HGK teams so the far. Same way. HGK plays almost the same way that Vitality does now. It's just a little less split push, like live or die by split push. Yeah, it's not. I was going to say it, it's, it's not at all. Style. It's it's objective focused in that you know they try to to squeeze out victories and whatever else. But it's uh, a four one at most. And more of the time, they're yeah. they're really working through their bot lane, which is not at all how Vitality mm-hmm. plays. They don't they don't no, have a true. roaming mid laner at this point because Selfie isn't that guy, and Ryu wasn't that guy even when he was around. So, so to me, it it feels like this is more like a slowed down version of what G two is doing, where both teams want to pick their fights, take the skirmishes at the time that they want them. But whereas G two is much more willing to initiate and just try to pick those fights and, and assume that it can turn their way. I think that H two K would rather you come to them. And the second you step out of line, they just pounce. That to me is, is a, it, it's, it's a, lesser difference in terms of strategy, but I will say mm-hmm. I do think these are the two most talented teams in the league right now. They're both 7-1 and one for a reason. I've loved seeing what G2's done. Uh, I really like H2K. I've liked H2K since the beginning of the split. Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? I actually have H2K minus 170. Okay, so I'm going to get this one, and with it the week, because I'm up 6-3 to three now with two games left. Uh, I said minus 150. It is minus 132. Man, they just really don't want to give us any value. Right? <laughs> no, like, they don't. That's G2 at even odds, which to me, I mean, I'll say this. I think the most impressive part of that line is that they're actually giving G2 every ounce of credit they deserve, which is not yeah, something we usually fact. see for for younger, lesser-known teams. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. the Ocelot factor. You know, obviously this team has fans for reasons outside of just purely what's happened on the LCS. I, I think it's I think it's having two two weekly MVPs and like being very entertaining to watch. I don't think gamblers care about the the enigmatic scarf wearing Spaniard as much as they do about the team is actually really good. They've had two weekly MVPs already, which I don't think any team in North America or Europe can say uh, in Perks and Trick. And and honestly, they've been entertaining to watch. It's it's been fun in an otherwise kind of boring pitcher duel style Europe. G two has been the most fun team to watch play League of Legends because they're this kind of balls to the wall aggression, some funky picks with the Udir. They're 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 always trying to take it to their opponent. And they're always trying to make plays. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably more where they're getting the respect from. Not not Ocelot as much as I love them. <laughs> That's fair. I, I just, you know, it is something about, we always talk about how certain brands and certain fan bases can skew votes. And at some point, you do have to wonder, you know, the G2 brand seems to be doing well enough for itself, even in its first split. And honestly, I think it's, like you said, they, they are a very fun team to watch. And, and certainly having someone like an Ocelot as a personality that can draw people in probably doesn't hurt either. Uh, unfortunately, from those three great games, we then get to the last two games of the week. Uh, Elements versus Rockat. Where do you think the line is here? Elements minus 180. Okay, I got this one. I said minus 140. It is minus 139. Rockat plus 105, I, I, I think, is 
That's actually a pretty fair line. I don't think Elements is particularly good. I do think Elements should be favored over mm-hmm. Rocket. Here's the line where I start wondering why the casinos like Rocket as much as they do. Splice versus Giants. Where do you think the line is here? Oh, I had I had Splice at minus one seventy five. Okay, I get this one as well. I said minus one ninety. It is minus two thirty three. Well, it's, which as you'll notice is seventeen points lower than Rocket's line versus Giants. And I don't understand. I I don't either. That's that's a little weird. Unless they're assuming that the next time Splice and Rockat play, Rockat are going to beat Splice, which I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Unless you see Rockat really fix their like mid to late game decision making. Yeah, that's you know. I, I guess when it comes to you know casino lines, right? You always have to take into account if they're expected to win you know, 58% of their games just by the early game stats. Like, at what point do they randomly just start stumbling on to wins, right? You know, especially right. against a team like Giants, you would assume that Giants aren't going to be the game team that late game punishes somewhere. I guess you'd argue that Splice maybe has different problems, but I still look at that Giants plus 200 over Rocket uh, as just a spite pick just because I think that this Rocket team is not good. <laughs> We're trying to make people money, dude. I know. Not I will fight our favorite team. <laughs> well, I think that they might lose that game. I genuinely think Rocket might be tilted off the planet. Really? Okay. I'm going to point something out to you for a second. Rocket's lost seven straight. Yeah. That win was the okay. first game of the season. And Giants have lost eight straight. Your point? But my my point is that both teams have been pretty much equally terrible since the first game of the season. And I don't think that Vitality's loss to Rocket is indicative of anything. So if anything... But at no point in the last two weeks have Giants even shown that they have a pulse. At least Rocket has had leads over good teams. As much as it hurts to go back and look at that Fnatic game, Rocket was winning that game until that last team fight. They were dominating Fnatic until that last team fight. Other than other than the weird Gams do crushing Freddy thing, but Betsy and and Airwalks were dragging that team to a victory against Fnatic, who most of us argue is a very very good team, if not extremely flawed in its construction. Your your fandom here, you're 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 <laughs> wanting to hate watch this team because they keep breaking your heart is getting in the way. Guys, don't gamble against Rockat with Giants. Don't do it. If you really want to hate pick. Go ahead and pick elements against Rockat because at minus one thirty nine, the odds aren't amazing, but I mean they could be way, way worse. Yeah, uh, don't 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 gamble on Giants until you see a a modicum, a a little atom, ha 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 ha, of an inkling that maybe they aren't. I, I can explain this. I didn't watch a Giants game last week after the week before, where I literally wrote that I regretted spending even 26 minutes on the team. I chose not to do it this week. So I've just forgotten just how terrible they are. You're right. Yeah, you missed absolutely nothing. I, I know I didn't. There's nothing. I mean, Adam, I'm sure, is still the worst top laner in the uh, in the LCS. I don't see anything from that team being good. You're right. I need to remind myself. It's It's kind of like, you know, I was lamenting being a Falcons fan earlier, and then Vince from Slingshot mentioned he's a Browns fan, and suddenly I felt a lot better. <laughs> Like just you like it could, there's always another level, guys. Just you got to remember that when it comes to to sports and and esports and all of that. <laughs> uh, we need two smart money bets outside of our Vitality plus one hundred five over Origin. And since you've reminded me of just how terrible Giants is, 
the only ones that are just jumping off the page. Do we think that Unicorns of Love could upset H2K? Actually, I, what about Unicorns I'm, of Love minus 105 over Fnatic? Is that good enough? Here's the thing. It kind of comes down to, I don't think H2K loses two games in the week. Right. I don't think G2 loses two games in the week. I don't think Unicorns of Love lose two games in a week. Hmm. So which which one, like, does Unicorns of Love beat H2K, which means H2K is going to beat G2? Does that, like, and G, yeah, G2 isn't going to lose two games in a week. The, the four games I'm looking at are, are obviously Unicorns of Love versus H2K, mm-hmm. which probably has the best odds for the underdog out of any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vitality versus G2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fnatic versus Unicorns of Love, H2K versus G2. Those are like the four games I'm looking at, and it's what is more likely. I think it's more likely H2K beats Unicorns of Love. So I'm kind of sitting on the G2 beats H2K. So you don't think side of things? You don't think that H2K could end this week two and Because G2 could beat Vitality and H2K could beat Unicorns of Love, and they're both one and heading into that game. They, they could they could go two and but I'm selfie still makes me iffy. That's fair. I think they lose a second game. I'll say this: I like uh, I like G two even over H two K just because I don't like selfie, and I've been waiting for a proper yeah. excuse to bet against him. And this is the one time where <laughs> the rest of G two is strong enough that it would be worth it. Yeah. And then I like Unicorns of Love over Fnatic just because of all the teams we just named. I think Fnatic is by far the least consistent. Like, fair enough. I, I I'm we're, totally okay with that. Yeah, we're talking about. You know, a fanatic that almost dropped a game to Rockat. They're just they're they're a five and three, but it's a it's a suspect five and three. I don't think oh, they beat H two K again the way that they did. No, I, I don't feel good about their win against Rockat. The the most consistent player on that team has been Sabivan, and he is not playing a style that's a super hard carry style. Right, he's playing very much within the team, but he's been their most consistent. And, and their best player this year. Everyone else, and we aren't even talking about the fact that they're replacing Noxiak. Um, but the other three carries, Reckless, Spirit, Gamsu, have had really nice highs, but they've also had some really weird lows. You know, we're going back especially, the, the one that sticks out is the Reckless game where he had a 0 0 0 scoreline until they lost the game and he died. So. <laughs> Yeah, that did happen. I do want to point out, because we should have pointed this out when we talked to Fnatic, but Klaj, uh, the the new support, I've actually, I have hands-on experience with this guy, because he was on he Meet Your Makers on- Turkey. Meet Your Makers. Yeah. yeah. He, and he was originally one of the guys we were considering bringing on to the new team until we realized that we needed at least three Turkish guys, and we couldn't afford to keep particular players but this guy's good i just i want to throw it out there um he is a very very good player he's the kind of guy who i believe is going to come into the lcs and be successful if not the first week within the first two or three weeks he's just he's got a confidence about him he's very passionate about the game constantly asking people for you know any little tips any little bits of knowledge that he can grab. He is kind of that student of the game that's always attracted me and guys like Kazing and Yellowstar when it comes to the support position. I think mm-hmm. this guy is going to be really good. I think the Swedish synergy is nice. I think that's worth taking into account. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I, I just think that it's, it's going to look like a lateral move at first, but I think in the long run, I think this guy actually has some really cool potential with this team. And I'm looking forward to seeing if he can fill it. Um, let's talk really quickly because this has already gone on longer than it probably needed to, uh, about outright winners for these, uh, for the EULCS because Unicorn, because this is a halfway point, they have released new odds you can get in on if you want to bet on the outright winner. I'm guessing you can correctly guess which team has had the largest change in odds between the preseason and the current state of affairs. Which organization do you think that is? I had to think for a second. Origin. Uh, No, Origin's gone from plus 150 to plus 500. That's not a huge change. Hmm. Oh, wait. Giants. Yes. Giants were plus okay. 2,500 at the beginning of the season. They were fifth, according to Unicorn. Now they are plus 20,000. Okay. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, they are 0-8. They, they you know, still need to make yeah. the playoffs and then somehow win it all. So that's fair. Splice, another big drop from plus 3,300 to plus 10,000. Rock at plus 3,300 to plus 8,000. Uh, Elements has actually not moved at all. They are still plus 5,000. So Elements can officially <laughs> say the <laughs> they might as well have not played the last eight games because their odds haven't changed, so it's fine. Uh, teams that have played up, uh, Unicorns of Love were plus 2,800. They are now plus 1,200. Uh, Vitality... Actually, Vitality played their way down. They were plus 600. Now it's just plus 800. So people have lost faith, which I kind of find interesting. interesting. Well, they had to make uh, way for G2, which we'll get to in a second, because that's obviously the most dramatic positive. Orihens dropped from plus 150 to plus 500. Fnatic has dropped from plus 250 to plus 350. Uh, H2K went from plus 250 to plus 200. So if you listen to us at the beginning of the season, congratulations, you have better odds than are available today. So hopefully you did that thing. But the one that I love most, Gamers 2, G2 Esports, has gone from plus 5,000 to plus 300, which is kind of amazing. Because if you had any faith in what we were saying at the beginning of the season, and you grabbed the plus 5,000, you have got to be feeling pretty darn good about yourselves. And... You know, Walter, yep. I'm feeling pretty darn good about ourselves on this podcast. It was a struggle to get through some technical difficulties, which hopefully have been ironed out <laughs> enough that you guys barely noticed. Uh, you guys will have noticed, and I apologize for it. Not, not much we can do when snowstorms manage to mess with our recording, but we got to give the people what we want. Hopefully you guys really enjoyed this. Uh, if you liked what you heard, you should go to soundcloud.com slash esportsroughdrafts. Hit that nice subscribe button, and you'll get all of our podcasts going forward. You can do the same thing on iTunes. Just search Rough Drafts and find us on there. And if you could leave us a review on there, that actually really helps us get noticed by more people as well. So if you, you know, people always ask, well, how can we help you guys? Well, write a review on iTunes would be the best and easiest thing you could do. Literally takes five seconds, and we really appreciate it. Of course, you can find all of our write ups for this as well. You know, I do little write ups kind of explaining the podcast and general themes, fun stuff you can really look forward to. Uh, so you should check that out on unicorn.com slash community where all of our Guest the Lions podcasts are posted. And Walter, where can people find you and your work? 
You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at the all-new SlingshotEsports.com where I do their weekly power rankings. This week, however, I'm doing a hypothetical Battle of the Atlantic uh, based off of my power rankings. So look for that. Part one and part two both be up by the time this podcast goes out. So read it. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter and uh, we'll go from there. Perfect. And you can find me at Redshirt King on Twitter. Be sure to come back on Friday where we will be doing the same thing looking at the North American LCS. And until then, goodbye, Internet.